Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our Set Apart to Serve series, and I'm excited. Well, I'm always excited because talking excited. with church workers or those who <laughs> encourage young people to consider church work vocations, it's unique when we get to have a, a missionary in studio with us. So excited to for this chat today. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for your support of the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Arthur Just. He's professor of New Testament exegetical theology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. Also associate executive director of LCMS International Mission, specifically for theological education. Dr. Just, welcome back to the Coffee Hour. Nice to be with you again. It's always nice to sit in this studio with with the two of you. Thanks for making time for us. I know you're in the middle of all kinds of international mission meetings this week here at the International Center. So thanks for making time for us My pleasure. To, to chat about church work and particularly, let's start with your path to becoming a pastor and then professor and missionary as well. We could add a few more things to that list, I'm sure as well. But how did, the, tell us about the path that the Lord brought you on to become a pastor and professor. Well, I come from a, a long time Missouri Synod family. But we're New England Lutherans, which makes oh. us a little different. And I had a lot of pastors in the family. My great-grandfather was the pastor of St. Paul's in Providence. Hmm. And I like to tell the story that I wear a wedding ring on my right hand because when I was ordained in 1980, my grandmother, the the daughter of my great-grandfather, the pastor, she gave me this ring I didn't know existed, and he was given this at his ordination in oh. 1878. Whoa. So 102 years later, I've got it, and I've been wearing it now for how many years? 42 years. So. That's so cool. <laughs> so, I mean, <clears throat> it was sort of in the DNA. My father wanted me to be a pastor, but I resisted it for a while, college, through college. And it is, it's it's kind of a fun story, I guess. <clears throat> After college, this was 1976, you know, kind of the, the hippie thing to do in a Volkswagen bus, seven months around Europe with two college buddies. We My parents lived in Spain. That's why we did it. Mm-hmm. And That's not New England, by the way. That is not New England, yeah. <laughs> I, we, yeah like I said, Providence, I was born in Salem, Massachusetts. You don't, oh. get, you don't get more New okay. England than that, okay? And we lived on Cape Cod for a while and that oh, kind of wow. thing. But anyway, the first few months we were traveling, I kept running into Christians and they were not like me. Hmm. At, at, at the time, I don't know that I could have described them, but today they were kind of more spirit-filled, say mm. it that way, you know, mm. Assembly of God, kind of Christian, Pentecostal. And I didn't know how to talk to them. It was very, I, I really was struggling with, you know, I, I, this is not how I speak about the faith, and, and I, I got interested and I had always been sort of interested, but I really got interested and bought some books in Italy. And it really, it took hold of me to try to figure out what I believed. And I determined, it was I was with my friend in Greece in the southern part of the Peloponnesian Peninsula in Sunion. And I decided there, I'm going to go back to Athens and call my father and say, I think I, I, think I need to figure out what I believe and I think I want to go to the seminary. Hmm. And I went to the seminary really sort of 
fig- I got to figure this out. It it was something that really had taken hold of me, and I fell in love with the idea of being a pastor. You know, and vicarage was the clincher, and I've never looked back. I've just loved every minute of it. <clears throat> Last year, we did a tour of Greece with fifty people, and. Not on the schedule, our guide, it's a long story, but she took us, unbeknownst to me, to Sunion. First time I'd been there since I decided to go in the ministry, and it was very emotional to to be there at that. It's a magnificent, it's a Poseidon statue, and it's, it looked, you know, sea on all sides. And when I, what my memory, of course, it's uh, how long ago is that? It's a long time ago. My memory, 45 years, was that we, we had one of those pop-up vans and pulled alongside, right alongside the temple, popped it up and stayed there a couple days. And now it's a, you know, it's a tourist site. You can't drive up there. It's all mapped out. It's very, it's very nice. And I asked the guide, who was a Greek woman, I said, could I have done this 45 years ago? And she said, oh, yes, you could have. You could have parked right where you said your memory is exactly right. So, so that's, that's how I got into the ministry. I was a pastor in Connecticut for a while, four years, and loved it, loved every minute of it. It was a hard, it was a hard parish, but we, we had a, you know, kind of a love affair. That's a whole longer story, but it was really, I, I really enjoyed it. I did go to graduate school at that time for an STM at Yale Divinity School and really loved that too. And out of the blue, I got a call to the seminary and I turned it down at first. And then my, my parish actually said, we love you, but you should be a professor. You should go take the call. So we reconsidered and that was 38 years later. I wasn't going to stay there. I was going to just teach homiletics, which, you know, I didn't really study, but I I taught it, and I enjoyed that for a while. But, you know, it's one of those things. I ended up getting a doctorate, and I just love teaching the New Testament, especially in liturgy. So it's been—I mean, I, I, I have a great passion for teaching, and I really—I I enjoy it more than anything else I do. But I grew up in in Mexico and Spain. I was 13 when my dad, he was with GE, went to Mexico, and then we were there eight years, four years in Spain, so I had this Latin-Spanish thing. And I got back into missions. Well, our seminary did when we did the, the, the Russian project in 1996, started a seminary in Siberia, so that got us on the road. And I really enjoyed teaching overseas. But I was, again, it was a <clears throat> complete lark. I got sent to Spain during a sabbatical by my colleague, Doug Rutt, in 2002. The church was only a year and a half old. And I had tried on three occasions to be a missionary to Spain, and I was turned down each time by the Office of International Mission. So this was sort of a, wow, you know. And I, wasn't, I was just supposed to be advisor to the, the new Argentinian missionary, but he couldn't come, so I ended up being the missionary. <laughs> and I was writing the ancient Christian commentary at the time. So I was, I, that's what I was supposed to work on and kind of advise. You know, It was sort of a place to do the—it the, was the end of that project. But I've had this relationship with Spain now 20, 
20 years, and uh, that got me into Latin America. And, and then, you know, I, 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 I went around the world when I was running the Deaconess program, writing curriculum for them. And I was on the curriculum committee for our seminary when we did a new curriculum. So I sort of inadvertently became a curriculum guy. <laughs> and theological education is about really, in many ways, centered in getting the right curriculum and, and writing syllabi. So... So I'm in the right place. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I have one year left. That's all. And <clears throat> I don't want to say during my tenure, but, uh, you know, where we are now in, in the Office of International Mission is we started the seminary in Dominican Republic Spanish. We've started this formation for pastors in Eurasia called the Livonian Project, which is in English. And a week from Saturday, I'm going to Taiwan, and we've been working for the last, well, since I started on this theological education with, at their request, the Chinese Lutheran Church, our partner church there, to start a seminary there. So we've got a curriculum. I'm going to teach a course, the first course for them. And, uh, and we're going to work with some of the leaders in, in Taiwan. We're going to write some courses. So we'll have Mandarin. You know, so if you think about it, you've got Spanish, you've got English, you've got Mandarin. That's, that's a lot of the world, you know. And to have programs for the formation of pastors, and there, there's ways of, of doing this to, to, you know, have a formation of deaconesses too. So, I mean, you've got those three things going. <clears throat> we also have this incredible kind of just starting a beta project we call it Gottfried Martins, who's pastor, and I don't know if you know him, but mm-hmm. he's in Berlin. Yeah. Last fall, he asked a couple of us, John Bombaro and Christian Teves, to come visit with him because he needed help in training pastors to to work with the people he's been working with. You know, he's brought in over two thousand Afghans and Iranians. Mm-hmm. It's a huge story. So we have a, we're, we're going to send out on YouTube, in fact, I'm going to record this in Spanish on Friday, but we, I, I did, I did, I wrote three beta, 10-minute things to put out, one on really the atonement, one on baptism, one on the Lord's Supper, and uh, we're doing it in Farsi, Urdu, and Arabic, and we have the English, you know, of course, and now we're going to do it in Spanish, and we're hoping that this will you know, and Gottfried has an introduction on the, he's going to, on the Farsi, Urdu, and, and we're hoping that this will, you know, bring people who might be interested in, in forming churches, and we're, we're really looking to, to form some pastors. So that's, that's really at the, the, you know, beginning, and I'm going to retire at the convention in 2023. So hand this over to somebody who can <laughs> – but I want to get it in place before we do that. Mm-hmm. But that's probably more than you wanted to know. But that's, but there's a, that's a real quick synopsis of my journey so far. So That's a fantastic so cool. story. And I know there's more to the story and particularly the who encouraged you along the way. We're going to learn more about that in just a moment. We're, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll learn more about who encouraged you along the way and, and that formation of becoming a pastor and a professor and a missionary and what that was like. And uh, 
Well, and then how you've done that for others and mm-hmm. who else is, is encouraging and shaping <laughs> the future church workers. We're continuing our Set Apart to Serve series with the Reverend Dr. Arthur Just, Professor of New Testament Exegetical Theology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne and Associate Executive Director of LCMS International Mission for Theological Education. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series, encouraging young people to consider church work vocations. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Arthur Just. He's professor of New Testament exegetical theology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne and associate executive director of LCMS International Mission, particularly for theological education, a pastor, professor, missionary. (laughs) And you shared this beautiful story of how the Lord brought you along in, in formation of each of these becoming a pastor and then how your congregation encouraged you to accept the call to serve as professor and during your time as professor how things continue to grow and you continue your education and then serving as a missionary along the way in those places and now helping shape future church workers mm-hmm. through your work in theological education internationally who were the people uh, that that encouraged you along the way and how did they encourage you in becoming the the, the church worker that you are that's a great question. I think everybody at some point there are there are people who just you know are are your rocks and my father was probably the number one and my grandmother his mother the one who's mm-hmm. you know the daughter of the great grandfather. And he 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 just sort of knew that I had the personality and the gifts to do that. And like I said I resisted him. I went to an extraordinary private high school because we lived in Mexico. So I went up to a high school outside of Boston and he told me I should take Greek. Mm -hmm. I'm 15 years old (laughs) and classical (laughs) Greek is not, but I did. And I, and I ended up enjoying it, taking three years of it. And I ended up being pretty good at it. And he, he said, someday you might be a pastor and this would be good for you. I said, okay. So I did. I just had my 50th reunion and a lot of guys, we were all, you know, what was the most significant thing that happened to you? You know, I said, I took Greek because I now teach the New Testament in Greek. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they were like blown away by that because that, <laughs> and, you know, my grandmother was, she just, she just was always telling me she was praying that I would become a pastor. And she was a kind of a rock person in that respect. Um, so those two, together and they were they I don't want to say they tag team but and they were very subtle about it I really will say and there was never any pressure but boy were they happy and that I did chose uh, choose to do that 
that that vocation. I had some some really important pastors too in Mexico. There was a pastor there that really it was a, a young, energetic guy, and I he took me under his wing, and I, I I'll never forget that. And I when my my dad was in in GE, we lived in Schenectady, New York, for mm-hmm. seven years, and I went to school there, Union College, same same church. So when I was a little kid, I was there in Sunday school, and it was very impressionable. Pastor Album was the pastor there. He he would never have known that he was an influence on me because I'd, I mean I was a little kid then. But you know, uh, during college, you know how you I was in college in the seventies, and we were all you know. <laughs> but I I dragged my sorry self to that church as often as I could, and his preaching and his, I mean, just being there at the. At the Eucharist with him, that that kept me on the, and he, that was a he was a big influence. Even though, like I said, he probably would never have known that. So, I would say those. I mean, there was another pastor in, in Bronxville, New York, when I was confirmed, Pastor Halter. I had a great deal of admiration for him. He made me be a crucifer and a <laughs> acolyte and got me involved in a very again very subtle way. And I, I remember him well. It was a that was a great experience there. So, those those things were sort of they they created a a culture that I came up in. That when I decided to become a pastor, I could access that. That was that was there for me. Mm-hmm. And I would say that yeah, those are the big influences. So how then now you've been in ministry for a long time with a lot of experiences. You've come in contact with with a lot of church workers, potential church workers. How do you use that experience to encourage these other men and women to be church workers? Yeah, I. whenever I run into young people, I mean, I always tell this story because it, <laughs> it, 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 whenever I'm preaching and I, you know, I do a lot of preaching around and, you know, guest preaching, you know, we're standing in the, in the sacristy and we're getting ready and there's the acolytes are there. And I always say to them, you know, have you ever thought about being a pastor? <laughs> you know, and they kind of <laughs> uncomfortably shift, you know. And I, I said, hey, really, you should. I mean, this is the time to think about it, you know, and look at where you are. You're sitting here, you got a robe on, and, you know, it's something you should think about. And and if there are, are, are girl acolytes, I say, be a deaconess, you know. And, you know, you, then you move on. Well, a number of years ago, I've been at seminary a long time, a, a student came up to me. I had never seen him before. I mean, I guess I had, but he had grown up. And he came to me and he said, one of the reasons I'm here at the seminary is because 12, 13 years ago when I was an acolyte, you asked me if I'd ever thought about being a pastor. And he said, I never forgot that. And here I am. And I really, in many ways, have you to thank. That's so and I said, holy cow, I mean, it actually... It actually works, you know, <laughs> all those times. But, you know, I, I, I do think being a pastor right now is culturally thought of as being a difficult, and why would anyone want to do it, you know? And I think there are a lot of pastors out there that have not had good experiences. They're not encouraging people like I think pastors should. But, you know, I I, I, I got to tell you, we have these young students at our seminary who who understand that this is exactly the best time to be a pastor, mm. that the, the, the huge challenges facing us in the church and the culture 
that the the gospel is exactly what the what it needs and to be able to to share it in a in a forthright confident winsome way you know and and to and to sort of embody it in the way they live with their you know their marriages their families and the way they lead congregations it's exactly what we need and these guys are really excited to get out there and do that and i, I i'm very encouraged because i do think that th- this is an, a wonderful opportunity to be in church work, not just a pastor, but serving in, in other ways. And I, I, I try to talk to people whenever I see them ab- about it, you know, if, if, if there's even a, a hint that this might be something they want. And I probably don't have as many opportunities as others do, but I do get around and, and I, I work more with church workers than people who are not. But I mean, I, I think that, and, and, and we've discovered from the set apart to serve that pastors are the, are the most influential, you know, and family, of course, like my father. But I, 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 it's a wonderful, wonderful vocation. And the Lord takes care of you. It's hard. There's no doubt about it. But being with people in suffering is, for me, the one of the most important things and helping them to understand their sufferings through the sufferings of Christ mm-hmm. and how they, in a kind of mysterious way, participate in Christ's sufferings. And there's so much suffering going on. We saw that in COVID. And mm-hmm. and, and people, they, they don't know how to deal with it. And pastors can help them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really... One of the great things pastors do. What is the need for church workers today? Has it grown in the last few years? Oh, I think it's greater than it's ever been, mm-hmm. frankly. I mean, we just got a report about, you know, from President Harrison that, you know, we, we, we do have a little larger vacancy than we've had in a while. It's not, it's not you know catastrophic but we could we certainly could use pastors my generation is retiring there are a lot of us so there are going to be some and i i I think but even more than that i i think the world needs the gospel i mean and and it's and you know it doesn't have it in many ways when you when you look at the culture and the especially the social media it, it really it's a it's a, a time when I think more than any time in, in my life that the issues are so related to the kind of fundamental way in which we understand who we are in the scriptures, that that, that narrative, that story, that, that wonderful you know, gift God gave us in, in showing us what it means to be truly human in Christ, that, that story needs to be told. And we need, we need people to, who, we need people who are, are very well formed. I mean, that's why theological education is so important and residential theological education, because it happens not just in the classroom or in, it's not noetic, it's, it's an experience being in chapel, number one, you know, I was dean of the chapel, for a number of years, and and our you know our whole curriculum is centered in the chapel, and being in the chapel and the and the, what we call the unwritten curriculum, that just the conversations you have with your colleagues, you know your fellow students, your your professors, you know that that you don't get if you're not in a residential and living in community and learning to do that, and I think that what we need are are 
very, very well-formed, you know, articulate pastors who can address these things. And it's it happens through theological education. It just does. And it's a it's a I, I think that's one of the reasons why I do what I do because mm-hmm. I've I've become totally convinced that you know like our mission statement says we plant churches we share the gospel plant churches and show mercy and I always say we we plant churches by forming Lutheran pastors mm-hmm. who plant those churches. We have about two minutes left. <laughs> I want to go back to the beginning of your story. You mentioned your father and your grandmother that were very significant in encouraging you to consider becoming a pastor. What's your advice to parents, grandparents today with just about two minutes? Well, I think in this day and age, more than any, I think the family needs to to model kind of the, the Christian piety and pray with your children and you know, and 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 have a. I I, <clears throat> I said this years ago at a conference, and not a conference, but at Camp Arcadia, where I teach occasionally. And I don't know, it was in re- answer to a question about you know what's the the one thing that really would help people and and all their problems. And I said it's real simple: go to church, go to church. And uh, the reason to go to church is not just because it's sort of an obligation, but that's where Christ is. And that's where he's present in his flesh. And that's where his gifts are. And he he's the great counselor. He's the one who helps us with our problems, with sorting out the issues that we face. He doesn't necessarily solve them, but he gives us the the family of God where we can we can find home. And and he he gives us the scripture through our pastors, you know, and and the sacrament in which he feeds us his body and blood for for the forgiveness of our sins, where we're joined with him and with the whole company of heaven. And there's something about, if people understand that's what it's about, if there's something about that, that somehow just, I don't want to say it makes all things right, but it 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 does it 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 gives people a sense of comfort and peace that they can't get anywhere else so what i would say to parents is take your kids to church as often as you can every sunday and 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 be faithful in participating in the liturgy and you know going to bible class send them to sunday school it's it's crucial that it there's you cannot underestimate the significance of going to church Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Arthur Just, Professor of New Testament Exegetical Theology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, and Associate Executive Director of LCMS International Mission for Theological Education. Dr. Just, thanks for being a part of the Set Apart to Serve series with us. Always a pleasure to be with both of you. Thank you for inviting me. You can learn more about Set Apart to Serve by visiting lcms.org slash SAS. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.